True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Thank you, everybody, for joining me for uh, another Lunch with Sarah. I have my beautiful daughter with me again, so thank you for coming back. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. And, and of course, don't think you know, but... Everyone kind of liked you. <laughs> That's really kind. <laughs> I thought so too. But no, they really did. And so thank you for your feedback, everybody, for participation. And Sarah uh, wanted to join us again. And she's going to lead us in another discussion on... Family. Uh-oh. Is that a good thing? That's yet to be determined. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were thinking about what we were going to chat about during lunch this week. Yes. And... Christmas holiday season is upon us. It's the time of year to be with family. That's actually my favorite part of this time of year. Um, Getting the time off of work is, for me, all about being with my family and having the time to see everybody. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, I wouldn't get too excited about this yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. um, I mean, for me, I see my family often. So this isn't too different from the rest of the year for me. Um, But I know a lot of my friends or even my significant other really only gets to see family on holidays. So it's a really special time. Um, Although sometimes that can be really intimidating and or bring up a lot of stuff because you're not seeing family that often. So we could say this backwards, actually. Um, While everyone else is having to go through this pain once or twice a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we do it. All the time. <laughs> Does that mean we're just like numb to it? <laughs> Maybe. But I think there's real value in what you're bringing up. So, Yeah. So it just got me thinking, is there, is there something about even the group dynamic of getting everybody together in one room for one day or two days versus having lunch with your mom, calling your dad on the phone, um, going to see a movie with your brother or sister, there seems to be something about the holidays where everyone is together in one place that feels like what I would consider like a 4th of July of triggers, like firework, 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 firework. And even if I go into it feeling really zen, maybe someone else is lighting off triggers and ultimately something that someone will say, even though I think I have a fine, normal even good relationship with my family sure. that I'll feel like uh, I'll start to feel childish or I'll start to feel like I need to assert myself or that I need to have my opinion known or sometimes that I need to fix someone else or so. Or accommodate or walk on eggshells, right? Oh gosh, that one too. And then you beat yourself up after you leave. I should have said X, Y, and Z. <laughs> So, um, this is really good, Sarah. I Um, think it's an interesting topic. Yeah. Because I think a lot of this stuff that comes up is sometimes conscious and then sometimes it's also subconscious. Um, So, maybe we can talk about that too. But um, let's just start off by saying 
It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that you can really sing, so why don't you, why don't you try that again? <laughs> what's the what's our song that has the holly? It's a holly jolly Christmas. That's more what it's like for us. But um, are so you ready to talk about I'm it? I'm set. Can I dig in? Yeah. So the trigger thing, um, in terms of becoming aware that you know you can walk into an environment and. This environment, of course, is of your past, and when I say past, in terms of your birth family, and we have all of these memories and all of these pieces uh, of our experiences that maybe haven't been processed as a complete, and so when that's not complete, it's very, very easy to be triggered, and I'll just use the word shell, which is referencing the ego Mm-hmm. Where the ego just goes, well, it's my turn to speak, and we need to be competitive based upon how many people are talking at the same time at the dinner table, yeah. and that I need to be heard. Um, but this is, um, I think, huge for a lot of people, and yet it's all tied to the past. I completely agree with you. And you were just talking about like the the dinner table, which is where a lot of this stuff comes up. Um, but I was also thinking with family, I'll just talk about me, but I think this could apply to maybe a lot of other people, is I tie a lot of my identity to my family. Because I'm trying to think, how come I don't necessarily feel the need to assert my ideas, my opinions, my thoughts? I don't feel the need to tell people how I've grown, to even show off um, with my group of friends. But with my family, I do. So I'll feel like, um, like here's my time to show that I'm not, I'm not 32 anymore. I'm 33, and here's my new ideas. Right. And um, and I've grown in the way of of X, Y, and Z, or I've opened my mind, and I'm wanting to let my family know. <clears throat> I'm wanting to assert myself more, and really create my identity with my family and I'm even trying to in those family situations disassociate from my past identity with my family and I'm wondering if that's why some of those triggers more come up with family versus friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Uh, But I think you're on something really significant and if I can kind of reframe that just a little bit with your permission. The, our birth families are are of course our, our first places where we create, we are, we, we live or we have a structure created for us and we get used to that structure. And then at one point through, um, our maturing and growing up, hopefully we leave the family. And what I mean by that is we, uh, we go through adolescence, we become a teen and then at one point, and that's a re, a re-identification process in terms of who I am outside of the family, probably the first time that we actually do that. And then we, as we continue down that path in terms of discovering, who we really are, not just uh, what we've created or the color of my hair and color of my eyes type thing. We have a whole other opportunity to um, to become aware, but we're still connected, slash sometimes tied, or I'll even say attached, but not necessarily always such in such a healthy way to some of these memories of our first family. And what you were describing a moment ago, uh, a lot of times is we we want to impress mom and dad um, through the idea, this is what I've done this year, and this is what I'm thinking this year. Right. Um, which you may or may not do with your friends. Sometimes you would. But 
um, hoping to get you know their external approval, which is low level, to their praise. And the worst, of course, would be to announce something that would be stupendous in your eyes, and then suddenly the family casts like a, a vote. Ooh, we, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, how many member, members that we have in the family are voting against your idea or we don't agree. And that can be like a double hit to the stomach or, you know, right between the eyes. So I think that's something really important to observe. But the trick, if I can call it that, is to become aware and not necessarily realize that anymore, uh, especially in our spiritual track, that we don't need to be tied to these external reflections, inclusive of our families, mm -hmm. so that we can really honor ourselves as who we are. And then, of course, our families are the one place, hopefully, that we will really, really be embraced for who we are, not just the experimental parts. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I'm having two thoughts when you're saying that. One is, I'm just going to go with that avenue first. You said in the very end, you said our family should be the place that embraces us for who we are. I know that's not the case for a lot of people. That's true. And um, and I think that's even where a lot of conflict comes from. So let's talk about that too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so with with the family, uh, birth family that, that doesn't honor who you are, um, I'm thinking of a young man that we knew uh, that went to, you went to school with and he made a pretty serious proclamation about his sexual orientation and his family completely um, rejected him at a very early age. And you know who I'm talking about. And get the, um, the opportunity for him to do it anyway, not because he was trying to, shall we say, piss off his family, but rather just to be who he is, is really... You know, I, I'll call it the biggest gesture, the biggest gift that you could ever give yourself. Right. And so while there's always going to be some kind of desire, some secret kind of hope that that person or those people, and I'm speaking of mom, dad, brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and however that looks, that they might actually approve or like or really get on board to what you've done or who you are. Um, the real truth is you don't need it. And, and when I say you don't need it, you don't need to force that of, of those individuals. And in the state of openness, you'll find that you create it, but not necessarily with the biological family that you came into. And that's, it's, it's weird, but it's the coolest thing that you could ever experience. So the family that you're trying to force, that is your birth family, and I'm talking about all the interrelations of that, um, when we don't do that, when we just reclaim who we are right. in, in, in totality, then we actually draw into ourselves those other family-like members, and that could be spiritual, physical, um, that literally are participating with us um, in genuine support of who we are. And then your world changes. And then... Can I? Can we get just a little deeper sure. into that? Because you're bringing up really great topics. I want to make sure that we don't brush over them too generally. Surely. Um, so I think you brought up a great, um, a great example so let's say that you're coming home for the holidays and this year you're out of the closet. Let's say you're coming home and you're in your mid-30s and you live in the Midwest and you ain't married yet. Right. And that's going to be a big issue. Right. Let's say you're from a family that really looks at men as achievers and you go to work and this year you lost your job and you've been unemployed for a year. Whatever your personal situation is, um, and you're talking about your birth family versus 
a family that you might create that supports you. Mm-hmm. But what do you do in situations where you're spending um, whatever your affiliation is, Christmas, the holidays, Hanukkah, whatever, it doesn't matter, your time doesn't even have to be during the holiday season, right? But your time with your actual family, how do you, let's just ask the hard question, how do you sit in a room of people that don't accept you? And how do you even still feel love for yourself and still feel love for them? Well, I guess I I think that's a very valid question, but I think I want to reframe that to what I was suggesting before, and I'm going to say it out loud, which is, um, that's not important. Okay. It wasn't before, and although it's perceived as important, but especially today, it's just not important to who you really are. So what I'm saying is we don't need that external approval. I don't need dad's approval or mom's approval or my daughter's approval about uh, whatever changes or whatever choices that I'm making, even if that's out of balance with regards to who I really am. And when we detach in that way, it changes something within us. Instead of that being an endurance contest where I'm having to be with my family, you know, for this lunch or this dinner yeah, or this tea, right. um, it becomes, uh, and, and you may hear caustic comments of the past or things that would be, would be triggers. And you know what? You just kind of log them down uh, out within your own self. This is interesting. That's, that's, well, it's even clearer in terms of how my mom thought and does think uh, with regards to what I should or shouldn't do. We talked about that earlier, how family sometimes <laughs> walks into the room and says, you should be doing this. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, that's, that's a huge trigger for me. Yeah. Um, and, and clearly um, something that uh, most people would have a trigger to when we're told what we yes. should or shouldn't do. That I should be living my life the way you're living your life. Because that's usually what happens with family. Well, and what that tells us again is to think of uh, us having individual shells slash egos. Right. And we have a family ego. I was just thinking that when you were saying that, that it's not just about my identity. It's more the identity that I'm a part of this whole family. And so it's this whole family identity or ego. Right. That I want to be proud to be a part of. And therefore, it's really upsetting when someone has really different views from me because I don't want to be associated with that. And they're probably thinking the same thing about me if our views are very different. Do you know what I mean? I do. And it's, it's much like a, uh, in business, a, a marketing brand. We're trying to protect the image of the brand. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, and the, and the brand here is a jolly brand. We and call so, our brand the Jolly Kingdom. <laughs> and that's what we toast to every year, the Jolly Kingdom. Well, which is true. Um, but we don't think of ourselves as... Uh, <laughs> Kings and queens, per se, as much as just... I do. You do? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just a, uh, you know, a gathering, a group, and to to be united in that way. But it's not about having to protect who we are. I mean, for example, our image, a lot of times, especially this time of year, is that we always have to be happy. Yeah. Jolly happy, right? And and yet, we are. I mean, I think we generally are. As a, we're happy people. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But you know darn well that we're not all the time. And, and that's something to appreciate, but no one needs to protect in the jolly kingdom our brand. We can just be ourselves. Right. And if someone comes to dinner or uh, Christmas dinner or any other function, any other time of year, and that we can't accept that, then that's something, um, that's an issue that, that each individual has to come to their own uh, personal growth or personal development to 
appreciate and then ultimately say, you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't need my dad's approval any longer. And when we make that shift within ourselves, it changes everything. It's so empowering. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's difficult. I understand. I don't want to make it sound easier said than done, but... Well, I, I do, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you're right, because the ego in the mind is going to make everything seem harder right. than it is. But, um, you know, I really agree with you, and I think you brought up a great topic. Like, there's always that meme that circulates the Internet this time of year that it starts with Thanksgiving. It's about, like, like you know, get ready for Thanksgiving dinner and, and that one crazy uncle that talks about politics or that one aunt that's, you know, a bigot or... And I or religion, think, right? Exactly. Or, yeah. And I think that sets us up to feel like we all have to think the same to get along. And the truth is, I don't think we do. I think you could be sitting next to someone that has radically different, different beliefs or even feelings about things than you do. And it's not about one person being right or being wrong, even if... I'm, I really feel like I'm going on a limb saying this publicly. Yeah, what? But... Even if your beliefs you feel are universally right, do you know what I mean by that? No. Okay, so like, um, like I believe that love is universally sure, right. Sure, sure, okay. And I don't believe that um, hate is universally right. Okay. But in this world, people have the right to love or hate, and we're watching that. Play out. We're watching that more than ever. It's always been happening, but yeah, because right. of the internet and all that, we're watching it more than more ever. More transparency. Yeah. And so um, so even a dilemma that I've come up with or come up to is uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to be opposed in my vantage point of love and inclusivity. Mm-hmm. But if I shut down and judge someone else who is sitting at my same table... Um, this actually happened to me last year. I was at a, a dinner with, uh, some friends and, and some friends of friends. So I didn't really know everyone that well. And someone there was, I've never experienced this in my life. Someone there was openly racist and was, um, didn't feel shy or, and straight up said at one point, oh yeah, I'm a little racist. And was talking about, and it was so triggering for me and upsetting. Sure. And I started fuming. I had my boyfriend next to me grabbing my hand, calming me down. Because <laughs> I, I was imagine. like, I'm going to fly off the flipping handle at this person. I don't want to be associated with you. And they got up from the table for a minute and I let the whole, t- I'm even shaking talking about it now. And I let the whole table know I'm not okay with this. That person needs to go back to wherever they're from. And yada, yada. And essentially, I found myself in such a conundrum about it because I felt like me completely rejecting them and not even wanting to sit at the same table with them, is that not the exact same thing that they're doing to me? It is. And, you know, you're describing something that I think is, couldn't be more perfectly timed today in our families, within ourselves, and certainly even in our communities. And certainly I have to reflect politics as well, that there... Um, hasn't been a desire to create unity. And this unity has to come from within ourselves. So the idea that someone is having such an, um, a horrible thought or belief system, let's say horrible in terms of how it's perceived by you to being completely opposite of yours, I think to get back to your universal thought that if you're really loving, then loving doesn't mean that you have to uh, 
endorse them right. or, or to uh, back them or to be quiet in their presence, but, but lovingly appreciate that this is a paradigm that's taught. Um, it's all prejudices, if you really get into it. Right. Um, and then, and it's a fear of something that they don't even know. Um, but, and that's presuming that they want to be educated to get out of that. And some people don't. And so if we can just really appreciate that without necessarily thinking that something, and here's a key word, being taken from you. Mm -hmm. You see, there's no need for you to defend that. And there's no need for you to uh, fear that anyone else at that table is going to uh, think that you're uh, racist, uh, you have radical beliefs of... uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, racial prejudice. Yeah, thank or... you. Racial, racial prejudice when you don't. And and if you, that can be said, you know, with charisma or that can be said just plainly that I don't really agree, agree with the present view of what's being talked about at the yeah. table um, without having to pull out a club and go to war. Well, and you know what, it, but the real internal battle that happened for me was um, I I felt like... I needed to battle them. I felt like it was the just thing to do. I actually felt extremely guilty for weeks after that I didn't. And um, I also felt like I needed to change their mind to be like me. And then I really sat with that feeling for... That was what I came up to a few weeks after, a few months after. It really came full circle to to this, I needed to change their mind. Their mind is not who they are. My mind is not who I am. We were just talking about ego and identity. Mm-hmm. That's just an ego and identity. It's not who I am. It is not who you are. And I thought, if I can accept wherever you are in your life and feel comfortable in my own skin, also accepting wherever I am in my life, we can easily sit at the same table together and then in in our own act of just sitting at a table together, two people who have very different views on things, isn't that acceptance? Isn't that love? Isn't that, isn't that the opposite of prejudice? And I, I had some, I had peace with that thought. It's really, I think you're spot on. I just would add maybe one other word from... Uh, I, I think of the word acceptance as a uh, a portal to coming into that energy, which is very powerful and yes. much needed. And then um, to continue down that path as a suggestion, I'll even call it a spiritual suggestion, we get to a place of honor, that we can actually honor um, that whole dynamic, their polarity, if I can refle- reflect it that way. But not in the idea that it's real, just honoring that they're, uh, they're diehard stuck in that belief, and I say stuck, uh, attached to or firmly committed to. Uh, stuck, again, it implies that um, they should remove themselves from that belief, and that's not necessarily the case. And the more that you get into um, connecting with source, of course, there this is all allowed. I mean, this isn't just, this is part of the polarity of this dynamic in terms of what we call Earth, in terms of light and dark and, you know, all of those those pieces of binary zeros and ones. So it's, it's, it's exciting to see that, but without necessarily having to get lost in the idea that it has nothing to do with you. Um, right. That this, this whole family dynamic, and by the way, sometimes in that scenario, and you kind of, we talked about this in the beginning, is when we start to accommodate 
to a family member. Mm-hmm. Let's remove our subject matter for the moment and just yeah. talk about family. Um, when we start moving into the idea that I'm supposed to accommodate because this is dad or my brother based upon, you know, again, the past, maybe we can rechange that where we don't have to accommodate. We don't have to participate in a role and responsibility beyond just being yourself. And and then suddenly there's not a, um, a, a need to protect yourself socially, um, again, emotionally, even from a physical perspective. I absolutely love what you're saying. And I hope that wasn't a detour. I know it was about the same topic with a different situation in the story. No, I think it's real because I think, you know, people go into, especially today, uh, sit down and have what should be or could be a very, very beautiful dinner. Then something pops out of somebody's mouth and uh, suddenly suddenly there's a divide in the room. It's like, oh, my God, when can the turkey be? Yeah, we need to get to the other (laughs) side. (laughs) Rage eating or rage drinking, right? That's like, that's the worst. Well, yeah, that that can really add to it, right? (laughs) Did they really say that? So, um, well, I think that's why, right? Uh, aren't alcohol sales like the highest of the whole year this time of year? And don't you think that's for a reason? I think that has a lot to do with everyone wanting to, um, part of it be merry. Yeah. Uh, and the other part is, uh, we want them numb. I mean, uh-huh. we want to go to the environment. <laughs> if I'm going to have to be with aunt, whomever and deal with that, then where is that two bottles of wine that always helps me I'm get through this experience? consciousness a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so of course that doesn't work. You just have a hangover and some uh, things and that you'll are just on. deal with it next year. That's right. <laughs> Maybe, right? <laughs> um, so we talked about, you know, sitting at a table with people with different views yes. than you. And I'm glad that we could get into that in some more detail because I think that is much easier said than when you're actually in that situation. So I'm glad we could get into that in more detail. Sure. Something else I'm thinking of, though, too, is this super unique uh, dynamic that happens with family is they knew you from birth. So they know everything about you. And my brother knows how to pick (laughs) a little teeny tiny scab until I'm losing it. And in the same manner, your family also, I feel like, knows how to make you laugh more than anybody else because they they also know every little thing about you. But the kind of opposite, and I'm not trying to just point out the negative things about family, but I want this to be useful for this type of year, time of year. So let's talk about history with family because sometimes in the past, I feel like I've gotten in a family environment and I revert to being a teenager again or um, or vice versa. I've seen other family members. Well, you're lucky because when I do that, I usually become a child. So like, yeah. I, <laughs> I skip being a teenager and go right to being a kid. Yeah. And what I'm saying is I feel like I'm three and like I need to protect myself because someone's hurt my feelings and I need to go back in the back. Right, and, and my mom is like, Sarah, you set the table. And I'm like, Mom! <laughs> mom, I'm not ready! <laughs> or, or, yeah, anything else that used to be the dynamic and then that includes um how the table is set um what things could or couldn't be talked about as kids which of course hopefully is evolving slash really changing right that we don't need to do things the way we did when we were um three right. four five or 15 or 16 the, the point is like we had a joke going on in our family that when we were kids um our mom stayed home with us and she was the best at home mom and she cooked all the meals. And then when we grew up, me and Grant, you know, we went out, cooked our own meals, successful pre-adult or adult lives. <laughs> and then when we came back home, 
we started to see a pattern that we went right back into like 16 year old us where mom cooks all the meals. We play games or do whatever. And, and then one year we were like, why does that happen? We could all be cooking. We could all be helping. But when we all get together in a dynamic, we all revert back to what we remember doing in this house. Right. I mean, and then, then of course, um, I'm not going to speak for Karen, but, but she could have some real, real strong attachments to that, even quite negatively, like it's her job sure. to continue to cook, you know, the big, huge meal. And that would mean the planning of it, the execution of it. And, of course, if it tastes bad or someone makes a comment that something's not quite cooked properly, then, of course, it feels like someone kicked her, you know, through the stomach again. Um, but I, I think we're back to roles and responsibilities and that these roles and responsibilities that we... Uh, started with, I'm talking to that term, we have to address and realize that much, if not all of them, yeah. aren't real, meaning there's no such thing. So we don't need to do that. And so when we go into that pattern, it could be resolved as quick as just saying, um, what are we collectively going to create versus you know, us coming to your home yeah. and uh, suddenly you having to go into the responsibility that perhaps that you grow with, grew up with or exposed to and the idea that you have to cook, plan and do all the, when that could be that of your partner, when he could do all of that versus right. it being you or we could all bring the food to this occasion as well, right? Yeah, I think a good uh, thing to think about with that is the idea of presence, being in the present. Mm, yes. Because uh, like we said, sometimes family, even a home is like a time capsule and you just walk right back into old roles. And I think it's a great habit just to take a nice breath from time to time and just be in the now and say, I'm, I'm in the present. You don't have to say it out loud. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you can, whatever your thing is. But, um, you know, anytime you take a breath, I just learned this recently, which is probably old school knowledge to a lot of people, but your breath is neither in the past or the future. It's right. always happening right now. So it's a great reminder when you take a breath that you're just being in this moment right now and then take your actions from a place of of that moment and that could be part of the cure of well I, th- I think it's not part of the cure I think it's the cure um, because not necessarily the breath part but the yeah. bringing yourself to balance and being in you know I have this this booklet The Magic of Now which talks all about just being present so yeah. uh, I think that's tremendously um, important in terms of that contribution and I know for myself I still practice that meaning even in our family dynamic I, I will uh, feel something, and then I will just allow myself to go, huh, interesting. And of course, every time it takes me back to some previous moment. Mm. And then I have to realize that that's, that's not where I'm at. I'm not two days ago or five days ago or six years ago or 55 years ago. Yeah. I mean, however long that is. It's just not t- today true. You just said something so brilliant, which is something will happen, and you mentioned that you take a moment, you take a space, you take a breath. Yes. Um, I think that's one of the the massive keys to the word trigger, right? The whole idea of a trigger is you pull a trigger, boom, it's instant. Right. And it's out. It's out the gun. It's too late. <laughs> and it, taking a moment realizing that you don't have to react to everything instantly. It, yeah, for me personally, within my personality type, and that's like I, I'm wanting to use as an identification, but only to describe something, I've always had a hair trigger. Mm. Which which is 
perhaps even faster than a lot of people. So if I barely think that someone's coming at me with a projectile, yeah. um, I've got to get my gun out and shoot back quickly, really quickly, or my ego would have me believe that. And ultimately, let's just say that hasn't worked, not to my favor. And I don't think it would for anybody, to be honest. That's why I'm talking about it. Yeah. So uh, realizing that, and so me slowing that down, taking a moment, um, takes my finger off of the trigger and realize, okay, this is, we're talking about the shell again, engaging in its activities of the past and how it thinks that it can get hurt. And no, this is someone making a comment. And if, and if I need clarification, I can just ask, Right? is this what you really meant? And if someone's really, again, staunchly uh, sharing something that I firmly don't believe or don't have association with, it's okay. I, I, just, I now understand, um, but I don't need to protect myself from it. I think that's brilliant what you just said. I feel like a lot of conflict, not even between two people, just inner conflict comes from your own perception of what's happening versus what's actually happening. Because if there's three people in a room, three people are going to describe an event completely differently, right? It's true. So when you're constantly living off of your own instant triggers of you know what, Uncle Uncle Jack does this every year and he hugs me for one second too long and it's inappropriate and I don't like it and right. I always knew that about him. And, well, maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> but for all, I don't know, for all I know that's the truth and you have a creepy uncle. But maybe Uncle Jack is a really, like, thoughtful, loving guy and just gives long hugs and he's never thought a thing of it and you've thought your entire life that he's conscious of this. He's conscious of doing X, Y, and Z or my, my, you know, my sister or my mom is conscious of, um, of saying, Oh, I like your hair or, Oh, are you doing your hair different? And every year I take that as, Oh, what the F you've never, you've never accepted me for who I am. Right. And maybe they were just really asking, oh, are you doing your hair different? Let, let me turn us back just a little bit to the um, inappropriate uncle because I think that has some value. Yeah. One, I think that we are in a space where we need to slash have to um, observe those things clearly, which is to say if someone's doing that truly innocently, meaning without any um, need to objectify that into any kind of formal inappropriate behavior, even then... It's appropriate today to let that person become aware. Totally. Um, but what I wanted to do behind some of this, in terms of someone some, saying something so blatant as I'm racial, I'm going to come to the dinner table and talk about that. I think that's, that's really uh, easier to something that may be a little more challenging. And if you don't mind, I'll bring it up. It's, it's, it's the energy. Yeah. Where we feel an energy that someone didn't or did say something but we can feel an energy like, well, they're, it's, it's happening. I can feel it. And we're starting to build up and we're about to go to war for something right. that hasn't been said. And I think that we need to recalibrate ourselves. I'm speaking of each of us individually to be, again, present. Um, instead yes. of thinking about what happened uh, previously, that somehow this is going to be a canon. Because isn't the first thought you have when you start getting your little internal army together is you think this happened last time. I know for me, that's what I always sure. think. Or I think this has happened before. Right. Or I say to myself, I recognize this behavior. When I say I recognize it, it always means the past, right? Right. I'm not here. I'm not now. I'm not sitting in this room present with you anymore. I'm completely living off of 
old information. Correct. And so I think we need to recalibrate the information that was coming forth. I think the, the reason I brought up the energetic piece, I, I know that the more true that we are to ourselves, we become further aware with what we'll call the kind of vibrations or energy that you want to surround yourself, which sounds kind of odd, but that may include your family members. I'm talking about right. your birth family members, and it may not. Um, yeah. And so instead of denying that or pretending or having to get drunk to, to go through it, it, it becomes an opportunity for you to go, okay, this is um, a part of my DNA past. This is a part of my physical past in terms of them knowing all of these details. Yeah. But it may or may not describe, again, the true me, even though that they have all these physical details. So these are opportunities um, to really, really not force them, but to, to have really some some tighter connections. Um, even if someone's undercapacitated, yeah. uh, unwilling, or uh, then the opposite, we should talk about that from a positive perspective, that we can literally come together and really harmonize like like have people an even with better connection than you've ever had yes yes and and instead of thinking that oh my god you know my brother's coming into town um and this is what we've always done and i think i don't think i know that when we change those stories within ourselves it changes an energy and then suddenly guess what it doesn't show up in the form of the radar in our families and our interconnections and now we're experiencing something better then we come away from the experience going huh that actually went pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, if you're taking, you know, your would-be partner with you to such an event, um, you may sing that to relief as you drive away. That went pretty good. And he was like, well, what are you talking about? I thought it was phenomenal. And you, again, are still comparing to something of the past to make that comment. And he's saying that it was a nice evening. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're talking a lot about being in the now, being in the present. Yes, the magic of now. Exactly. I was just thinking that. Do you have some tips or pointers or anything that you do or suggestions that you have um, to either that you would maybe do to prepare for an event, a family gathering? Um, I guess even by nature of that, it wouldn't be in the now anymore. But or or more importantly, when you're there when you're feeling triggered, when you're in the moment, because I don't believe that you need to be meditating all the time to be in a (laughs) Zen place. (laughs) It's more important to know how to be in a cool, chilled out spot in the middle of chaos. And do you have any thoughts or tips on how to do that? I do. So I don't think that, I think meditation is a wonderful tool, but I don't think that we want to be in a meditative or unemotional space 24-7. I don't think that's maybe that that could fit for some people, but maybe not necessarily everybody. Yeah. So we don't want to choose that. So in a precognizance of coming into an event that may be perceivingly challenged, I would just remind yourself that one, uh, we're going to employ some of the tools that are quite li- literally listed in the Magic of Now booklet. And again, I'm re- referencing that and I hope everyone goes and downloads it. Yeah, maybe link it in the podcast. I absolutely will. Yeah. But the, the thing that I would say before that would be just realize this one really simple thought. And this is really key before we get to being in the moment. And that is before you go into a family gathering, instead of thinking that you're going to get hurt, what happens when I present the idea that you can't, you can't get hurt. And if you really hear that, yeah, it changes everything. Can I ask you a direct question? Yeah, please. My instant thought is I absolutely can, and I could list the times and places that that's happened. Right, which only illuminates 
that you are choosing to create those states of separation. And that's something that's always going to put you in a perpetual challenge slash civil war within your own self and then clearly with other people as well. So can you dive into that concept a little bit further of you can't get hurt? Yes. Um, first, you know, we should probably back it up even more further, which is to, to really understand that everything is a choice. So I should have said that properly first. So we need to know that we are empowered to choose that I can get hurt or I can't get hurt. But once we choose and we exercise ourselves in this idea that we can't get hurt, that's not through protection. It's just an absolute truth. I can go and sit around a bunch of people who have different ideas than I do or who drink and eat things that I don't eat or um, conduct themselves in a series of activities that I would never allow myself to do because it wouldn't feel balanced to me. Without me feeling, and please let me emphasize that with italic bolds, feeling that I can get hurt. Because if I don't feel that I can get hurt, it changes my dynamic. So imagine going into your family, uh, which is what, three times a day. When, when we go into the family uh, dynamic meetings yeah, and yeah. lunches and teas and everything, that you are just being yourself without the idea that you're going to be hurt. What it does is kind of like red carpet, literally, to you being present in the moment. See, if you come into this gathering with the idea that we're going to war, you know, we need to stop by the surplus store and get nuclear <laughs> submarines and grenades and, you know what I mean, camouflage yeah. behavior. I mean, that, that's, you're, you're going to create what you don't want. And yeah. so if you come into this without the idea that you can get hurt, which means the empowered concept that you are choosing not to get hurt, then when someone launches a rocket towards you, it's like, okay, interesting. And, of course, what they're really doing is showing you about how they feel. That doesn't have to be something that you engage in. Um, now I think, react I'm, to. I think I'm following you now that if, you're, if I'm truly staying in the present moment, my hurt, if I'm being totally honest, really comes from the past. Bingo. I start thinking about, and the past doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the now. It only exists in my memory of it. Right. And again, as we already discussed, three people sitting in a room all remember something different. So did it even really happen? But watch this, because you don't have kids yet. But So let's take your would-be kids, bring them to the family gathering. Yeah. And if you take your past with that and your, that of your partners, you're going to start doing what? Protecting your children against the evils of family A and family B, based upon the idea that once upon a time you got hurt. Right. And all it says is teach the family, I'm speaking of your children, the very thing that you don't want. You can say, well, we're going to your grandparents' house and therefore get on your lead aprons because right. this is what we should expect. And the kids, your kids, have a completely different perspective of that, yeah. which is, of course, very healthy for them, very healthy for you. And ultimately, if you see this for what it is, it's the evolution that the whole family dynamic gets to create if they're willing and want that. And so we don't need to be um, stuck or harassed or changed to where we've come from as much as uh, just appreciating that this is what everyone does. We all have a family of sorts in one form or of another. And as we come together and um, we are choosing to be present, then in the moment, now if, we, if I can return to that part of the question, uh, the first thing that I will do is I will literally uh, first um, attune myself, which means create an assessment. Am I in balance? Okay. Because if I'm not in balance, I know that I'm going to have an imbalanced reaction. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to, 
I'm going to get mad because uh, I'm looking to get mad. So, so first you're starting thing, by creating awareness. That's right. I'm, am, I, am I in a balanced space? And if I come into this energetically like, oh, I don't know, then I realize, okay, I'm not in an energetically pure space, which means I'm likely to be tipped over or moved into a state of imbalance. Let's just assume that that's what I chose. And so I'm in an imbalanced state. Now what do I do? Yes. Now um, what do you do? Uh, which you just did a moment ago in terms of taking a breath, mm-hmm. or, which is taking a moment, could be done like that. Sometimes I may feign going to the bathroom, which is to say I'm going to create a little mini break, like we would take a timeout in a football game. Mm. Timeout, yeah. I'm going to go uh, to the back, or timeout, uh, the kids need something, and I say, you know, grandkids, or timeout, we're going to take care of the dog, and I, we don't say timeout out loud. Or I left something in the car, and all I'm trying to do is regain my composure, when I say composure, not to go to war, but to be in a balanced state again. And when I do that, by the time I've walked to the car and and come back again to get whatever piece of gum, uh, I now am back in a balanced state and I don't have to go into that retaliatory energy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Another trick that I have been using recently is I uh, do it by listening which is an excellent way for me personally to stay present in the moment. Um, I find that a lot of my triggers happening are happening when someone else is talking to mm. begin with. Mm-hmm. And so instead of preparing my battle against them or my internal positioning um, against whatever they're going to say, I'm no longer listening to them anymore. I'm now in my own mind, I'm in my own thoughts, I'm in my history, I'm projecting to the future, I'm not in the now. So instead... I tell myself I'm going to be really present. I'm going to challenge myself to be exceptionally present right now. And I take a breath while they're still talking. It's so easy to do because you don't need to create uh, aloneness or individual space. You can still remain a part of the group. Take a nice deep breath while looking right into their eyes. And, And I'll tell myself, be right here in this moment. Or if I can, I can even take a moment to observe my own mind or my own presence. So if my mind is like flipping no way that I feel the same, da-da-da, then in that breath, I'll take a moment to even observe that my own mind is having that reaction. And in that moment of observation, I don't even know how to explain it in words. I feel completely calm. Mm -hmm. And then when it's my turn to speak, I'm able to speak from a place of presence. And and even a lot of times, everything gets worked out without saying anything. Right. I don't even know how to explain yeah, what happens in that practice. But that that was just something oh, that's beautiful, that I wanted to Sarah. add in, too. You know, I, I'm going to share this. Is, this is uh, quite personal. But um, your birth family conditions you. And that's not a bad thing. It's a part of the human experience. And at the same time, we do want to reevaluate those things that we got exposed to, let alone those conditions, and to um, to create maybe something new that serves you. So I'm going to speak of something that I was conditioned to. Yeah. With my mom, she was extremely argumentative mm-hmm. um, with intention to fight. And so therefore, I would feel the energy first and that, okay, we're about to go into war, yeah. which is to say everyone needs to go get their boxing gloves on. Two, um, I would start my thinking would go quickly like I would you know my adrenaline goes up and all my abilities to go into this you know intellectual or emotional boxing ring is being raised and three I'm trying to anticipate 
her moves. Right. Exactly like you would um, playing tennis or um, uh, playing baseball or basketball, meaning I'm trying to see what the other players are going to do before they do it so I can get a proper position to block the shot. Yeah. Um, and so I noticed, unfortunately, that all of that conditioning was something I brought into most all of my relationships, especially with my family. Yeah. So if I see somebody dribbling in a certain kind of way that reminds me of way back when slash MOM, then my mind goes, oh boy, here's it's coming. And and you know what? That's not listening. Yes. It has nothing to yeah. do with listening. It's now I'm back into 19, whatever it was, and I need to really, really be focused on here. And when I do that with family members and feel that, uh, not everyone was my mom, thank God for that, um, <laughs> it, it, it changes our opportunity to be present. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm seeing a whole host of opportunities. And it's not just the words or the topics. It's, uh, again, the energy. And even if we're not matching that energy, um, we don't have to. We, we can actually have that experience and realize that uh, it was uh, delightful in its own way. Maybe not necessarily where we go to the same movie and we all bobblehead. That was a mess movie right. we ever see. Speaking of our would-be dinners with one another. But it's something... Uh, Pretty cool. Transformational, I think. There's so much peace and joy in presence. Yes. And and I'm with you. It's like turning on a light. And it, um, well, this is going to sound biblical. I don't mean it to, but it dispels darkness. Yes. And so even if what, like you're saying, everyone doesn't agree, we don't all go see the same movie and laugh at the same spots in it. Sure. Um, you find that uh, that's just such a natural separation someone who's just won't join you in your presence just naturally is like, I'm going to go talk to uncle Ted instead. Perfect. Right. Or it's also an awesome invitation if that's within the other person and maybe they just got on an old track, you know, Yeah. and they're rocking around their Christmas tree around and round and round <laughs> and they're tired of hearing the same record. And you present now this new presence sure. in just energy. You don't have to say I'm being present now. <laughs> <laughs> this is me, you know, um, that would just be our ego, right? And our individualism right, right. being, this is me now, <laughs> respect me. But that energetic invitation often invites someone else. And if that's on the inside and that's something that they're interested in, I have found it just flips conversations. You know, Sarah, everybody knows this. And, um, and you know this like the back of your hand. But unconditional loved, love, excuse me, when we feel it, and we actually express it, is something that transforms all of this. Yes. It takes being present and participating in this love um, outside of the perspective of William Weston Jolly, my full name, or yours, you know, Sarah Joanne Jolly. And it changes everything um, because we're, we, we have a, a, a true understanding through this connection of love. And yes. that illumination is uh, stunning. That's why I, I talked earlier about going from acceptance to a state of honor. We can actually have this unbelievable honor for this person of the family that is triggering everybody with some horrific comment. I was just going back to that too, the beginning of our conversation yeah. and thinking, you know, the the biggest thing is in your presence, like what we're talking about now, love and being able to honor. When you first said you even get to honor that person. I thought, no. <laughs> <laughs> no 
I thought, you know, some things you hear and you think that sounds really nice, but I think about actually doing it. And I'm like, and I thought about that, that person. And I thought, no, no, but, but maybe at some point in the future, you know, because what we're talking about now is, is being in your now and your presence versus trying to understand the mind. And you're never going to understand it's, it's really is for lack of any other term, it's a dysfunction. And, and when you're living, when, when your mind, your mind is always doing its best as like a kernel. It's always trying to protect you and it's protecting you off of what you've seen in the past, off of what you can predict in the future. And it can become dysfunctional so quickly as we've even seen. uh, And again, not to get political here, um, but with, with past events and wars and such like that. Sure. Sure. Um, to try to understand the mind and accept someone else's mind when it's living in dysfunction is going to drive you completely insane. But to separate, like we were talking about breathing and observing even your own mind, to breathe and observe and say, this is someone else's mind. I don't need to judge it. It's not my place. It is what it is. But when you can separate the person's mind from the essence of who they are. Is that what you're talking about? I am. With that, that's love and honor. It is. It's an unconditional love. And then um, if you really go past that, then, you know, from a psychic perspective, you can see what, who trained them, who conditioned them, that they're regurgitating these things that they may or may not actually believe. Right. I mean, they may fight to the death, literally, that this is what they believe. Um, but if you see that teaching, I'm talking about just that first generation, their moms and dads, and maybe the community at large during that era, you know, right. the 50s versus the 60s versus the 70s eras. And then if you go back up the family tree and go, huh, interesting, this whole family tree is participating in something that is, uh, shall we say, sideways at best in terms of it being truly aligned with source. And yet that's a part of it. And yet when we see that, it's like, okay, well, there maybe that person's really evolved compared to a great, great grandfather Edward, you know, right. but at the same time, um, we don't have to, and this is, I think a huge point, which you've said, we don't have to understand. I mean, we don't need to get lost in trying to understand or create 16 textbooks of why, uh, the family tree has, you know, 16 generations of serial killers in them. I mean, we don't need to understand that. Um, and when we break out of that need to understand, we actually break the cycle and Man, that, that changes everything. Exactly. And I'm not, and I wasn't using the word dysfunction like a judgment, just a, a, an observation of something that doesn't need to be understood. Exactly sure. what, you're, what you're saying. Yeah. Stop trying to understand something that is crazy. And again, that could sound like a judgment word, but... It's just, it doesn't need to be understood. And the only reason I think my mind feels it does need to be understood is so I can protect myself. Right. And so it goes right back into my mind is a great warrior. And good for you, you little samurai. But you know what? That's not, that's not the life that I want to live. Right, right. I want to. That's not a land of peace. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's why I think it's so cool that we're having this chat around the holidays because it's the time of peace and joy and love. And it doesn't matter your religion or your faith or that seems to just be a feeling in the air this time of year. Yes, it is. Which I love. Me too. And, 
And I think it's really cool because that feeling in the air brings up this juxtaposition within mm-hmm. us that mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out how to get to that place of peace and joy. Um, and it can be challenging sometimes when you get into the nitty gritty of it, but I think you really nailed it on the head. Well, I think you brought up something too, just that this thinking can, of course, go beyond the holidays. I Meaning we don't have to just be in this uh, very very celebratory, very loving, uh, very generous mood uh, just during this time frame. We can do this maybe a lot more than that. And uh, just because. And, yeah. and I'll say just because, because it's fun, to be honest with you. And God, this is unbelievable. And there's a, an enjoyment that we have each time that we get to come together instead of uh, it being based upon something that happened previously. Yeah. That's a huge gift is the moment. It is. It's just uh, in the giving and the receiving and honoring that uh, it's just as joyous to receive as it is to give um, without having to, um, shall we say, account for that. (laughs) (laughs) Without having to keep, uh, okay, I gave you one, you gave me one back. I mean, it's like a ping pong game. We can let go of all that in truly unconditional love. And I think that's really cool too, Sarah, that um, as we would give to a particular person, they may or may not actually give us back, quote, this present or this gift, or they might even not acknowledge it. It's okay, because we know that the universe will. And, exactly. And we don't even have to do that conditionally. We just know that that's just a part of how it works. And that knowledge, um, to me, is extremely transformational. That's really, really beautiful, and really like a pleasant thought to even just sit in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. feels uh, like being at a spa. <laughs> 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 yeah, it is. I mean, you, you just you you want it to soak all the way through, so exactly. that you can. That's th- yeah. That's what I meant. That, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. That's exactly what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> that we can really, really feel it, and not just to hear them those words, but really practice it within ourselves. And then when we do with our families, and and uh, some of us come from uh, healthier families than others, and some of those families are, are so dysfunctional that maybe we're not inter- interchanging during this time of year. But nonetheless, it's all of it's okay. So the big takeaways are this didn't wasn't meant to be a promo for the magic of now, but <laughs> but go download the magic of now. Please. Links are gonna be in this the podcast notes. Right. And if we have time, I do have one more question Please, for you. Please go, 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 go. Okay. It's probably you're probably gonna say the same thing that we've been touching on this whole time. You never know, Sarah. Exactly. <laughs> and that is we've been talking about our own families yes. this whole time. What if you're going to spend time with your significant others, mm-hmm. families, and and the dynamic of that, or maybe even feeling like um, your your partner is your best friend, and when they get around their family, who the f are they? <laughs> and like, I can't wait to just get home and get back in our own house, and I can be around you again because where did you go? And um, I just wanted to kind of open up that topic. I guess it's not a super detailed question, but I want to open up that topic with um, one, how do you support your partner and how do you still be present and in the moment and enjoy your own holiday when maybe when you feel like if your partner does regress around their family, sometimes that can lead you to be feeling a little alone. Um, so I guess I kind of threw a bunch of questions at no, you No, no, no. Well, but... let me kind of simplify it a little bit if I can. Number one, uh, congratulations, because when it's not your family, there's always this perception 
It's so much easier because we're going to their house, not my house. And so I'd liken that to going in a car where you get to sit in a passenger seat yeah. and you're just coming along for the ride. And the reason why that becomes easier or perceivingly easier is because you're not attached. Because you're like, I'm just here for the eggnog, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> anyway, the uh, sitting in the passenger seat means that you're not attached to their family. But watch this. If you're attached to your partner, exactly, then their reaction being, should we say, negative around their own family tree is going to cause this should we say, issue between the two of you. You guys may be having an argument coming away from um, his family based upon the idea that he's infuriated because someone said whatever they said. Oh, I was just watching a holiday movie last night for Christmases with Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, and they're, they never spend holidays with either of their families. Right. And they get <laughs> looped into it in this like comedy, whatever, and... And they have to go to four family Christmases and they both turn to each other at the very beginning. They go, no matter what happens, do not let them come between us. <laughs> and of course, by the end, they've completely broken up in this whole thing. And I feel like that's a very real situation for couples where you're like, don't let them come between us. But that's exactly what you're talking about. It is in a slightly with different the attachment. way. Yeah, because we don't want to be attached. So if your partner is going through something while he goes to his family and you get to, quote unquote, ride along. Um, again, that's going to be easier for you as you might perceive it. Um, and then on to the fact that he's working something out, meaning that, that he gets to practice what you are practicing when you come to you know our family and he gets to ride in the passenger seat and go, huh, interesting. I mean, it's, it's very different, but it's very healthy yeah. because when we, when we, let me make that example, when you go to um, his family and participate in that space, um, you get to observe their patterns, of course, which is you know the particulars of that particular family. But what's really important is realizing, huh, I don't have to engage in any way that's not me, meaning I can right. just be myself. And and if your partner actually understands that and begins to apply that based upon, I'll call it your leadership, energetically at the very least, and then perhaps even in the way that you're conducting. I saw that you go along with my dad just fine when I think he's a blah, 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 blah. And, and then suddenly you're actually showing your partner how to engage with his own family in a way that he never made consideration to do before. So that becomes, I think, super powerful. Very, yeah. very cool. And and that can be fun without it having to be a, um, you know, a minefield of tripwires. You know what I mean? Where yeah, so you're saying basically make your own experience absolutely. out of it. Yeah. And, and, and I think you said something magical, too, I think that needs to be double underlined. And that is that your household, I'm speaking of your and your partner's household, should be completely and utterly different than that of your family. Mm. and or his family. Right. And ultimately, we want to take that no matter where we go. Yeah. We don't have to move the house into the in-laws family in terms of, you know, wherever household we're going into. But rather, you guys are yourselves. And with that, ah, cool. And guess what happens? We either are going to accept you as a couple in terms of that new entity or have a problem with or just acknowledge that this is the way that you guys do it. And ultimately, from universe's perspective, by far the easiest. For, yeah. you, for you to just choose that. Now, I think we help one another when we when we do that. So when you get to sit in the passenger seat, you get, you get to help your partner by being yourself with those family members. And by the way, you're going to hear the stories, as I'm sure you already have, in terms of, well, this is going to happen. And, right. and when it does, instead of you having a reaction, because you didn't grow up with it, right? Right. And then you realize, okay, yeah, but it's not really my gig. I don't need to be hurt by it again, keyword. And because uh, you're not, and then, then suddenly that gives him the opportunity to maybe have a different perspective. I think this is really how we grow. Um, and by the way, when we take 
you know, obviously in a normal household, we had to have two families, but if we had three and four, for example, if my parents divorced three times, right, and right. I had all those, those other families to enter dialogue with, which is pretty common, um, it's the same game just multiplied with bigger numbers. So we, we just understand that we, we can be ourselves and we can see that this idea that we've been in a role or that we're participating in responsibilities that aren't really healthy for us as individuals or even as the new couple changes everything. I really love what you're saying with, um, one, having your own experience, Mm -hmm. not getting connected to your partner. But it also sounds like what you're saying, too, is, is, and I think this is natural with two partners in a a relationship, is you have compassion Mm -hmm. for each other. Very much. And sometimes you have an unspoken and sometimes a very spoken, I got your back. No matter what happens today, I got your back. Right. And there is something about that that I think could actually be spread to all family members, whether it's your family or your own family members. And you made me think of it when you said, um, when you're talking about the different households, for anyone who has switched up the household that that Hanukkah happens at or Christmas happens at or the Super Bowl party happens at, <laughs> right. or if you've ever switched up that dynamic a little bit and then watch the difference in the dynamic of the family, I know I've found in our own family the dynamic changes completely when we switch up households. Yes. And I think that's a really cool thing, even if you haven't experienced that personally yet, but you can just sit and conceptualize it. It's really cool because you put yourself in someone else's shoes. I, you know, I didn't realize what it's like to host and all of the the pressure that's on you and all of the just even the time constraint and everyone's wanting to chit chat you up and you're like, yeah, but if I don't get Turkey on it this time, (laughs) it ain't happening people. And, um, or vice versa when you're at someone else's house and you're not, um, offering to help in any, or, or I don't know, it could go into so many different things, but the dynamic can really change from house to house. And I think that's because you get out of your own perspective and you start having more of a, a conscious, um, uh, connection with everyone simply by changing the environment. And so maybe that's a good tip too, or something to even think about is the compassion that you have for your partner. If it helps think about being in a different environment, think about what if, what if Christmas and all the things I think are going to happen at Christmas, what if it happened at my house, Right. play out the whole thing in your mind that could give you the same compassion you have for your partner, for other people in your family or other people in their family. It, it could just open things up a little bit. I think it's huge. Um, I know that you know this because we've done this in our family, but uh, you can also take the traditional aspects. I'm not suggesting that everyone wants to do this and maybe their families do or don't want to do it as well, but you can really totally mess up the tradition, meaning that we take the whole family tree instead of having excuse me, the whole family and we take it away from the Christmas tree and all the dynamics and we do something entirely different. I mean, completely different. Right. And what it does is it shows you uh, a lot about uh, connection and how we really want to interrelate. And then when we come back to the celebratory Christmas tree, so to speak, we can do it in a truly compassionate way. Shall we say rewriting the rules? Yes. Not based upon what happened in seventh and eighth grade, you know, for you. Because you're being in the moment again yes. and saying what works now. Yes. And our our Thanksgiving this year, we uh, the Do we have to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, Karen, Wes, and myself, my mom, dad, and myself have been plant-based for, I don't know how many years now. Five. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But when we have Thanksgiving, whoever isn't plant-based, we make sure there's turkey and there's whatnot for everyone else. This was the first year that everyone who attended Thanksgiving was fully plant-based. And Karen, Gracie, and I, my sister-in-law, my mom, and I, we're usually in charge of making the menu. And we were a little freaked out, <laughs> especially. I think, should we say a little aggressive? A little freaked out that, that boys, bo- I mean, it's so funny after all these years and of changing a diet that I'm like, boys need meat. I don't know. I still have that in my mind after just 20 years of conditioning and commercials. Sure. And, um, you know, but... Um, we were like, we need to make sure the boys are full. And we made so much food. We were exhausted. We didn't eat till like five or six. We planned to eat at two. Karen, I mean, sorry. We didn't eat Is till five or six. Is there any food left? I mean. No. Everyone had one plate. They were so full. <laughs> I went back and got seconds because I was like, not today. I have cooked way too long for this. And I like <laughs> the worst stomachache, but it was so worth it. And, um, and then from being in the now and being in the moment. With our fat little pot bellies, we were like, took that breath. <laughs> we go, let's do Chinese food next year. Let's do Thai food next year. I like, let's see how it goes. Switching up our tradition of cooking, yes. which actually is one of my favorite traditions of Thanksgiving because I feel it's it's giving love when you cook for someone. Sure. Um, but you know, we're th- but from being in the moment, we were like, let's toss out this tradition that we've been doing for 30 something years and let's try Thai food next year and let's try a new tradition of just being together versus cooking. And that might be go to hell in a handbasket. So, you know, tune in next <laughs> podcast next year. <laughs> it was a nightmare. People I couldn't use the chopsticks. <laughs> but if you're not in the moment, you can't make decisions like that. Well, I think what you're talking about is change and that's something I really want to talk about for the future as well. So we're going to have to set. I know I'm like bringing up. Totally no, 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 but, 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 I, I think when we choose to uh, interact as a group very differently with um, a new set of cir- circumstances, we give ourselves the opportunity to do something different, to grow and, and to see those weaknesses individually and perhaps even as a group that we have, and then to change that. And so, you know, going and having Thanksgiving in a very untraditional way, um, I mean, completely, and we've, we've, as a whole family, if you recall, we served at a... Uh, a mission one Thanksgiving and, and participating that way versus, you know, doing it the white cloth and, you know, everything silver out and gold plates and all that stuff. Um, but honoring these changes are um, opportunities for us to really uh, see ourselves as a group, a family in a completely different way. And, and it breaks off that identity, that family brand that we were talking about yeah. too. Cause when you let go of that brand, well, our family always does this, but you know what? We're still a family even if we don't. We're still a family if things change. The brand doesn't doesn't really mean shit. It doesn't. And yeah. you know what? I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm cer- certainly super grateful for you. And um, I'm so thankful that you're wanting to do this again. And uh, I hope you'll come back and do some more if you want to. So just want to leave that out there. Absolutely. This really fills my heart and my, my soul and is of always a lot of value to me. And um, like I said, we just have these conversations anyway, so we might as well mic it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, very much. And Absolutely. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. Do you want to sing us a song before? Me too. We, you want to sing us something at the end? Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. 
Lots of snow and mistletoe. Something done dare. However that song goes. <laughs> you did great. Uh, Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah to everybody. All right. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection and it's a tremendous help to others too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products. Also, my free newsletter. Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.